You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we return here with another episode of Locked On Ravens. I am your host, Kevin Ostreicher of Ravens Wire. And we return here. It is Taco Tuesday. And here with me to break down plenty of Ravens content is Spencer Schultz of Baltimore Beatdown. Spencer, the Ravens will not be playing football for a while, but that does not mean we don't have stuff to talk about, about how this team can improve draft free agency. All of it is coming up in the weeks and months ahead. How are you doing today? Doing very well, getting ready for the Senior Bowl. Going to have 134 guys uh, in Mobile, and it's going to be a fun one. Get to see a ton of uh, in-depth stuff, more so with the Combine being uh, kind of a moot point this year. The Senior Bowl is going to be a much bigger and more important extravaganza, so I'm excited to get my eyes on those guys and uh, try and get some some draft analyst breakdowns going. I kind of like to wait, usually. Uh, until after the season's over and free agent, even like I, I like to start getting my evaluations really done uh, once the senior bowl is done and, and I can kind of have emotion removed from it and, and narratives removed from it from the college football year and things like that. So I'm excited for that. And uh, it's unfortunate the Ravens weren't playing on Sunday, but feels like they'll be there at some point, hopefully this upcoming year. So lots to talk about, lots of good stuff on the horizon and I'm excited about it. Yeah, absolutely. The Senior Bowl is a really big thing. And I think with there being, you know, not really a combine this year, at least it'll be a little different this year, obviously. I think that takes into question about, you know, just how much do these teams value these draft picks? You know, how much information do they value within these players? We're going to find out which teams are really good at drafting in this draft just because of the limited information that most likely will be available to most of these teams with the limited season and the combine being limited. There will be a lot of information that won't be available. So the senior bowl, I do agree. It's a very big thing this year, but Spencer, Eric DaCosta had a press conference with the media yesterday and he talked a lot about a lot of different things. And of course, you know, there's GM speak in these press conferences. We don't really know how much to take of it as truth and how much is him just kind of shadowing some other things. But he did have a lot to say about Lamar Jackson. So, Spencer, the first thing I want to ask you here is about one of Eric DaCosta's quotes about extending Lamar Jackson. Because when asked about the possibility of extending Lamar Jackson, Eric DaCosta said, quote, our intention is to keep him in Baltimore for many, many years, end quote. He also said that he hopes to talk with Lamar Jackson in the next 10 days or so about that extension. So, Spencer, what do you think about this move, you know, talking to Lamar Jackson now, trying to get him extended in Baltimore? And what, in your eyes, would be the contract length and money for Lamar Jackson at this point in his career? I think you want to give him something to similar to what Deshaun Watson got. Uh, the market continues to go up as it is. It, well, not this year. It's a little bit down, but you want to give him a four-year deal. Uh, you want to give him that big signing bonus. Give yourself a little bit of flexibility on the back end. Uh, big signing bonus gives you more flexibility in terms of annual cap, but the you know projections are somewhere around $40 million, uh, an average value, and I think that makes sense. Lamar Jackson has thrown the fifth most touchdowns over the last two years. He is fourth all-time in quarterback rating. Uh, with a minimum of, I think, going all the way down to like 100 throws. Even It might be even lighter than that as he has almost hit 1,000 at this point, but it's evident that you can win a lot of games with Lamar Jackson. He is a franchise quarterback. He can get it done. He can make the postseason. Uh, finally got that playoff win under his belt. So I think somewhere in the neighborhood of the 35 to $40 million range 
would be nice. I think he would also appreciate getting an early extension. The Ravens being very blatant and uh, kind in that sense goes a far way, it feels like, with Lamar Jackson um, in terms of, of just wanting to get the deal done, get some capital in his pocket, give him early money. And the sooner the Ravens get it done, the better. The cap is going to go up significantly after next season and the season after when the new TV deals come in. There are rumors that Amazon is going to make some ludicrous offers that might triple what the NFL is currently getting uh, from any individual broadcast. So it, it seems like that's going to be a big chunk of change that is going to jump up what the NFL teams are able to offer. So I think with that in mind, get Lamar Jackson signed. Give him a juicy deal that makes people say, wow, is he really worth that? Then in two years, maybe he's the sixth or seventh highest paid quarterback, something along those lines. Uh, as there's some more quarterbacks coming down the horizon, guys getting drafted, et cetera, et cetera. So at this point, I think it is a good idea to get it done early. The Ravens are going to extend Lamar Jackson. You don't turn away from a quarterback that has won a unanimous MVP uh, at 22 years old that has made the postseason, given you countless highlights, given you countless big wins. Uh, got you to the dance and you know you feel like you're a step or two away from from being able to go get a ring go get a trophy and you want to reward Lamar Jackson for all that he puts on the football field uh, and getting it done early like I said is important in terms of getting it over with not creating some sort of uncertainty or uh, you know toxic situation some media talking point Dak Prescott uh, is a great example of that and creating all this animosity and and it just becomes weird with your franchise when you kind of are reluctant to commit commit to someone. So I think committing to Lamar Jackson is the right move. I think the Ravens are going to pay him handsomely, but in two, three years, that deal will look pretty darn good. So I think getting it done early is very important. Yeah, I agree. I think it just shows commitment to your franchise player. And at this point, look, the Ravens went all in Lamar Jackson or all in on Lamar Jackson from the day they drafted him. The Ravens cooked up a plan. They said, look, this is our guy. We're going to build this offense, this team around him. So showing him that commitment and saying, look, we want you here for a long time. I think Lamar Jackson wants to be there for a long time. I think that's the best move for both the organization and for Lamar Jackson. But Spencer, Every offseason, every player in the NFL has an opportunity to improve their game. And Lamar Jackson is certainly someone who, yes, he is a great football player, but he certainly has areas where he can improve upon. And so Eric DaCosta also said, quote, Lamar being who Lamar is, Lamar wants to improve. That goes without saying we all want to get better. That's on the quarterback. That's on the receivers, end quote. So, Spencer, with Lamar Jackson, what do you think the prime areas of improvement are for Lamar Jackson this offseason? And how would you go about improving those areas if you were Lamar Jackson? Well, the, the rumor mill spinning that Lamar might be heading out to get some time in with Jordan Palmer, who Josh Allen's worked with the last couple of years. Jordan Palmer's become a quarterback guru. Uh, and there's more to it than just the mechanic stuff. There's there's the lifestyle part of it. There's the the professional part of it, how to you know organize your day, how to properly go through practice and uh, do all of those things. And I think Jordan Palmer's been a really great example of someone uh, who can lead a quarterback into the right mindset. And we did see Lamar work with Tom House's team out in California last year a little bit. I don't think he worked with Tom House directly, but you you see Lamar starting to branch out and you have to love that. You have to love him uh, going and seeking the best, getting the best. And I think that's part of the, the investment that you put into him while you do want to have him on that rookie contract and get the best talent you can because of the cap space. But giving someone the capital to be able to go invest in themselves, get the best in the world, uh, and become the best quarterback that they can be is also a bright side. That is a positive as well. In terms of what Lamar needs to do on the football field, 
Well, the Ravens don't have the most advanced passing scheme. No one will sell you that. And a lot of people want Greg Roman gone, et cetera, et cetera. I like to compare Lamar to Deshaun Watson in terms of a little bit of a struggle that Deshaun Watson had last year in that 2019, 2020 year where it felt like Watson wasn't trusting the system. He wasn't trusting the throws, trusting his receivers aside from DeAndre Hopkins to make plays. Uh, he, he, was taking too long. He wasn't getting the ball out quickly. He wasn't being decisive. He wasn't uh, going all in in terms of, I'm going to, this is a quick throw. This is a, you know, a one step, a two step, or a, a quick three step. I'm going to get the ball out of the top of my drop. I know where the, who's going to be open. I'm going to trust them to go make a play. Deshaun Watson took a lot of sacks. He had success last year. The Texans do make it to the div- divisional round, I believe, last year, uh, losing to the Chiefs ultimately. But they, had some struggles in terms of just getting the ball out on time at the top of the drop, trusting receivers other than DeAndre Hopkins to make plays, um, checking the ball down, letting your offensive playmakers be offensive playmakers. And one of the biggest things with Lamar, and it's a funny because a misconception is, you know, oh, he's running back, you know, oh, whatever, whatever. He, does, he can't throw the ball down the field. Lamar really only pushes the ball down the field. Uh, he has one of the highest a dots, average distance of target or an average intended air yards, whichever one you want to call it. Over the past couple of years, he's in that eight, eight point five range pretty consistently among the top ten quarterbacks in terms of pushing the ball. And Ravens offense does structure itself to push the ball down the field to complement their power running game. But so often teams are now stacking the middle of the field, playing too high with their safeties a little bit, you know, too high, but not too far back and, and ready to still help out in the run game. But asking the Ravens to pick them apart on the sideline. And that's what we saw the Ravens do to, you know, the Browns a little bit. We saw them do it to the Titans in that wild card playoff game a little bit and just kind of take what the defense is giving you. And when you do it quicker and more decisively, when you get the ball out in the quick passing game more, it opens the defense up. They have to start respecting the flats and then it opens the middle of the field back up. Guys drop the ball. The offensive line's not great. There's tons of excuses, but in terms of what Lamar could do better, it's just, trusting the structure of the play, taking checkdowns. And while his legs are the best checkdown, that's not going to open the coverage up over the middle of the football field. That's going to allow them to keep sitting where they are. So checking the ball down a little bit quicker, being more decisive with it, uh, and and just taking on more pre-snap responsibility and, and the Ravens allowing him to have more pre-snap responsibility. My biggest gripe with the Ravens offense this entire season probably was Play call is taking so long to get in, and I get it. You want to be methodical. You want to win the possession game. You want to be the greatest rushing team of all time. But sometimes that wasn't really working. So we saw one game, and this has kind of become like the golden goose of the game that everyone always mentions. In Indianapolis, you're playing the Colts. The Colts are are stuffing the run, getting nothing going on offense. So the Ravens go tempo. They go spread. They start throwing the ball underneath. And suddenly they end up scoring, I think, 13, 14 points in that second half uh, without the Colts scoring and having a great game. And it felt like the offense was in rhythm there. And I think going tempo when Lamar's maybe struggling a little bit, uh, you know, being willing to to forsake the run game a little bit at times when it's struggling is very important. And I think that's part of Lamar's progression. I think that the Ravens have to give him that ability and responsibility in terms of time on the play clock. And in terms of having those calls available to him. I don't know what the calls are. None of us do outside of the castle, outside of Owings Mills, Maryland, but making sure that he has the ability to check into passing plays, to check into screens, to check into quick hitters, to move the offense around and take advantage of it with, you know, some jet screens or jet sweeps, some screens some things like that. 
that that is huge. If you wanted to be your franchise quarterback, you got to start treating him like one. And while the Ravens seem very, I guess stubborn is the best word in terms of wanting to to maintain their rushing dominance, which has gotten them really far. And fans don't appreciate it because they want the best offense. They want to have a great passing offense too, and they want to win a Super Bowl. You don't want to throw all of that away, but when it's not working, when you're playing some of these better teams, especially in January, you just have to be more balanced, getting to the line quicker, Lamar getting the ball out faster, and and getting the ball out to the sideline confidently, accurately, trusting the pocket, trusting his O-line to hold up, trusting guys to make plays. Hey, they're going to drop the football. They're going to miss blocks. If you want to play in the NFL for 10 years, that's going to happen hundreds and hundreds of times on Sundays. But you have to trust it. You have to give the play structure what it's supposed to do in order for it to be successful. You can't cheat the game of football. You can't get by time and time again, not following the structure of the plays, not taking what defenses are giving you. And there's no better example of that than the man who's about to play in his 10th Super Bowl and Tom Brady. Everybody wanted to knock Tom Brady for years. He can't throw the ball deep anymore and yada, yada, yada. Meanwhile, he does end up leading the NFL in like quarterback rating, throws over 20 yards this year. But how did he get to a lot of those Super Bowls? Quickly, decisively getting the ball out underneath and being a master pre-snap. And we hear Lamar Jackson talk about wanting to be Brady, wanting to win multiple championships. We don't ever really hear him bring up another quarterback in terms of who he might want to model his game after other than Tom Brady. Well, if Lamar Jackson wants to take that step and be like Tom Brady, got to get the ball out decisively. It negates pressure. It spreads the defense out, makes them respect the checkdowns, respect the flats. And of course, backs need to do a better job getting there. But if you're doing it consistently, it's going to give them better reps, better confidence and all that good stuff. So I think just playing calmer, trusting the system, trusting the scheme, uh, going with a guy like Jordan Palmer, getting a little bit better control of the ball deep. Uh, in terms of really it being an extension of an of his arm, and then mechanically, I mean, the one thing that I've I've seen is still sometimes his his mechanics have improved so much. But Lamar, when things go awry on deep throws to the outside, it's because his his toes and his shoulders aren't aligned. They're not both pointed the same direction. And a lot of times it's been his his toes are pointed in the right direction, but his shoulders aren't square. Uh, so I think just continuing to get those reps, going with someone like Palmer, who's going to be unapologetically uh, critical of that and help him understand his throwing motion and and just being more efficient with his feet. Guys like JT O'Sullivan do great breakdowns. You can find uh, the QB school online. And, and there's just a lot of dropbacks where there's too many steps. And that's why one of my favorite throws of the season, really one of my favorite throws of Lamar's career in Baltimore was uh, against the Titans. It was like a 29 yard slot fade to Hollywood Brown. And I loved it because the timing and the pace of his feet were so methodical and slow and deliberate that it timed up the throw so perfectly to when Hollywood was going to finally get separation over the shoulder and where he wanted to put the ball. So I think calming his feet down, becoming more efficient with his feet and just getting the ball out quicker, checking the ball out. We know that you're the best in the world at making plays with your feet. Don't stop doing that, but take more checkdowns when it's there. Let other guys make plays. That'll even open up scrambling lanes for him even more in the end. So I think just checking the ball down, continuing to work to become more efficient, and uh, just trusting the scheme. Because when you don't, things aren't going to go well over the course of a season. If you're unhappy with Greg Roman, I get that. But there were a lot of throws that were there throughout this season that you see him put his eyes on and hesitate or 
uh, try to make a play with his legs instead of instead of getting it out in some situations, and uh, especially in that Bills game. And that kind of all really came to fruition of the struggles was in that Bills game. Lamar played amazing in the second half, third in the NFL in EPA per drop back, all that good stuff. But then uh, just trying to do too much, not taking the underneath throws, not taking the the in-system safety valves that the defense is is not worried about. They're trying to take away Mark Andrews. They're trying to respect Hollywood Brown deep. It was windy, but backs were open. Willie Sneed was open underneath. You know, Mark Andrews is, is finding some soft spots. And instead, you're extending plays. And, and magic happens sometimes. But like I said, I just don't feel that you can consistently cheat the offensive scheme and cheat the game of football and win a Super Bowl. So be like Tom Brady. Don't cheat the system. Get the ball out. Clean it up. And he'll be good to go. Yeah, I agree. Sometimes the simpler throws are the best ones on a play, especially because, you know, for example, Josh Allen, even though the Chiefs were playing that prevent defense in the fourth quarter of the AFC championship, he was, you know, throwing the ball two yards in every play. It was eight yards, nine yards, 10 yards, and they moved down the field in a minute, even less than a minute. Those are the types of throws that if you just check the ball down and you just take the short throw, take what the defense is giving you. I think if Lamar Jackson adds that into his game, I mean, this offense, I think, will soar past what we saw in 2020. We're going to head into our first break now, and when we return, we'll be talking a bit about what the Ravens need to do to set up Lamar Jackson for success. So stay tuned for that, and we'll be right back. The NFL regular season is finished and the playoffs have begun. There's only one place that has you covered and one place we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKDOWN for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code LOCKDOWN to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And we return with our second segment of this Taco Tuesday edition of Locked on Ravens. Kevin Ostriker, your host, still here with Spencer Schultz of Baltimore Beatdown. And Spencer, Lamar Jackson and all players across the league do have plenty of ways to improve. And Lamar Jackson will certainly be looking to improve again this offseason. But it's not just on Lamar Jackson to set himself up for success, although that's a big part of it. The Ravens organization also must set him up for success, and they've done that by building the team around Lamar Jackson, going all in on Lamar Jackson. But it seemed like this season there were some disconnects in some areas with the Ravens organization, maybe with some fans, even maybe with some of the players in terms of the offensive scheme. And I think a lot of that does go back to Greg Roman. So I know Greg Roman's been the hot topic of the past few weeks and Honestly, it might already start to be that exhausting topic that might never stop being talked about. But Spencer, with the Ravens scheme, what do the Ravens have to do to set Lamar Jackson up for success? I think that solidifying the offensive line is priority number one, especially if you want to. And we know that they want to. John Harbaugh has spoken about it. Eric DaCosta has spoken about it. And unless they're throwing a real curveball, they want to go out and run for another 3,000 yards in 2021. And if you want to do so, Go get the best offensive line that you can. You have the backs. Mark Ingram's gone, but uh, you're going to be able to tender Gus Edwards if you want to. You have Justice Hill, J.K. Dobbins. You can always go find another running back late in the draft or undrafted or Simon, whatever. Go get some maulers up front. The Ravens' offensive line feels light in terms of the center and, and guards. Bozeman is not a, a gigantic human being to be playing guard. They pull him a lot. He doesn't drive people off of the ball necessarily. I wouldn't consider him a mauler. I'd consider him a finesse player. Uh, then at center, Skura, not a big guy. Makari, not a big guy. 
not really driving people off the ball, you know, able to use finesse and, and run some of those power poles and things like that. And then at right guard, I mean, Ben Powers was okay. Uh, I had really high expectations for him. I don't feel that he was great. I don't feel that he was good necessarily. I think he, he played well, uh, did a good job considering this was the first real action that he's got. And offensive line is so much rep-based, is so much uh, growth over the first couple of seasons. So many guys play into their 30s because you get better and better and better with age and technique in terms of offensive line play. It's rare to draft rookies uh, who come in and, and really are acing every single test, playing dominant every single week, uh, especially if you're not picking them super early on. Guys like Tristan Wirfs or Jedrick Wills that we saw this year, Mekhi Becton, uh, those kinds of guys. You know, in the in the later rounds, there was basically Jonah Jackson uh, out of Detroit, who was a guy that I actually loved last year out of Ohio State. Uh, playing for the Lions, and then Michael Onwenu from the or playing for the Patriots out of Michigan. He was a six-round pick, and then a couple guys stepped in admirably across the league. But you got Tyree Phillips in there, you got Ben Powers in there. They're not really dominating at the point of attack. They're not physically gifted uh, at the NFL level right now, and that's kind of laughing in the face of your own scheme if you're not going to have a, a great wall. And with a player like Lamar Jackson, who did appear to, to lose so much mechanical prowess and consistency with his feet, when the pocket started to break down a couple times throughout the course of a game, give him a great wall. Give him the best pass pro. Give him a dominant offensive line that can play smash mouth football. The Ravens did a great job adapting because they couldn't drive people off of the ball. They stopped calling so many you know outside zone runs and zone runs and uh, started running more lead. And, and double teams inside, some duo, and then a ton of the quarterback bash, a ton of the veer, a lot of pulls, a lot of power concepts that are uh, able to go in with really tight splits, drive guys sideways uh, using leverage instead of driving them off the ball and do things like that. But if you want to continue doing it and you want Lamar Jackson to play up to a you know, $160, $200 million contract, then stop making him have to panic and run around for his life in the pocket and give those running backs the best line and uh, I, I think that the passing game, I think the receivers end up looking a lot more productive with a better offensive line that the Ravens currently have in-house. I think that Boykin and Duvernay and, and Andrews and Hollywood Brown and all these guys look a lot better with a more calm, confident, protected Lamar Jackson in the pocket. Uh, I think that that would be a big step forward for this team. And people do want to talk about getting a number one wide receiver, but for me, it's just kind of tough. You look around the NFL and, and look at teams that have spent $20 million on acquiring a player and given up draft capital to go get a receiver. And it just feels like it's not really a Super Bowl method. Uh, it hasn't turned out incredibly well. The Browns and Odell Beckham and uh, the, the Bills go do get Stephon Diggs, but they got one game further than the Ravens and didn't really have a great offensive output. So it's just hard to see the value exceeding the contract with those. And I think the Ravens have kind of have that philosophy. That's why you end up seeing the Anquan Boldens, uh, 28 years old coming to Baltimore, uh, Steve Smith in the back end, Derek Mason, guys like that. And for me, you know, what we've been saying, we were, we were just saying offline, Kevin was T Y Hilton made a lot of sense in that vein. And uh, I think there's other guys that are maybe a little younger, like Curtis Samuel or Corey Davis. I think those guys would make sense. I don't know if the Ravens are going to want to go sign Allen Robinson or, uh, Chris Godwin or any of these big name free agent wide receivers, Galladay, Juju Smith-Schuster, when they're clearly marking themselves as a run first offense, I, I, I don't know. And, and DaCosta spoke of like, you know, guys not wanting to play with Lamar Jackson in a run offense, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You offer them enough money, they'll go anywhere. 
Uh, I think that was a point that he had, but ultimately just build that offensive line and schematically get the backs out of the backfield quicker. Get the checkdowns out quicker. Make checking down an emphasis of this offense. Like it will open up so much more. And if Lamar progresses himself, he's able to connect on a couple more deep shots with Hollywood Brown and some of those other guys, then it'll it'll go a long way. But I think just getting that offensive line right with some veterans, particularly because rookies do take a lot of time to get acclimated. I was speaking earlier about how they get better with time. We'll get some guys that have already gotten better with time, plug them in there. Uh, they're not terribly expensive on free agency as opposed to the, the receiving options and things like that. So I think getting a good veteran interior lineman or two this season who are accomplished, ready to go, would would go a long way. And right now it looks like there might be a couple of them, maybe a Joe Tooney or uh, Brandon Sheriff or, or someone of that nature would be great. So I think that's priority number one for the Ravens. Yeah, absolutely. The Ravens have to protect their quarterback. And I think it all starts with the offensive line. I agree, Spencer. And also, you know, you were talking about T.Y. Hilton. I think it would be a great fit for the Ravens. I mean, bring me all the Colts. Bring me Justin Houston on defense. I'll even take Quentin Nelson in Baltimore. But I think that, you know, Hilton would be somebody that would be just that typical Ravens signing. And to that note, Spencer, another quote by Eric DaCosta from his press conference He said, quote, players want to play with Lamar Jackson. I really do laugh at the notion that players don't want to come here and play with him, end quote. And I think the big reason for this comment, Spencer, is because with the receivers in particular, coming to an offense like Baltimore's where we've already seen guys like Marquise Brown complain about targets, Des Bryant posting clips on Instagram of the Ravens practices after the year, there have been some grievances with maybe it's Greg Roman, maybe it's just the Ravens offense in general, But with receivers looking to go places, there has to be a certain kind of receiver. And I don't think teams are looking or I don't think players are looking at the Ravens offense and saying this is an offense that can't throw the football at all. But I think players might look at it and say, hey, I want more targets and more opportunities than the Ravens offense presents me. So do you think that these players are looking and saying, Lamar Jackson, I don't want to play with him? Or do you think it's more about, yeah, I might want to go somewhere where I can get those 100 targets and 1,000 yards receiving and 10 touchdowns? Well, I think that they absolutely want to play with Lamar Jackson and they're not going to get the target volume, but touchdowns are plenty. Lamar's thrown the fifth most touchdowns over the last two seasons while being 22nd in passing attempts over the last two seasons. He has the fourth highest quarterback rating of all time. His completion percentage is in the mid 60s. Uh, He makes plays. They get into the red zone a lot. There's a lot of touchdown opportunities or high scoring offense. And if you pay someone enough money, they'll go wherever, especially to a team that wins a team that has a proven track record, having a good locker room presence. And I I just don't buy into, you know, if you get to go play with Kansas city, maybe that would make more sense. You get to go play with uh, Tom Brady. Yeah, of course that would make a ton more sense. If if all things are equal, you're especially going to go want to play in those prolific passing offenses. But Lamar Jackson's a polarizing player. He's an ascending player. And this offense needs a number one, like, They want one. They want that possession receiver. They want to have a a three-horse receiving game with Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews. And uh, I mean, you go sit down with a receiver. You're like, look, we didn't have that guy in the receiving room. So we're going to obviously – it's a matchup-based game. All the Ravens do want to run the ball. If if you've got a number one receiver that is getting open and making plays and and consistently beating guys, you're going to put the ball there. Uh, the Ravens are, are stubborn to an extent, but I don't think they're so stubborn that they won't exploit matchups. So I, I think it's a little bit of hearsay. I think it's a, a narr- media narrative talking point. It's an ESPN talking point on first take and, you know, Skip and Shannon and those kinds of shows, undisputed, uh, that that kind of stuff. But ultimately, 
If you want one, you can go trade for one. You can go trade for Adam Thielen right now, probably, if you want. You can go trade for guys that get open and make plays. They, they sniffed around DeAndre Hopkins last year, and uh, there's been some rumors of some other things going on, and, and Ravens looking for those kinds of guys, but they're going to accept money. If you give them a big offer and, and you tell them, you know, we're looking to win a Super Bowl here, we think you're the missing piece, you know, look at what Anquan Bolden did. You know, was he catching 100 passes? No, but he's a part of something really special, made big plays, won big games, and had big games and, and bright lights and is being looked at as a Hall of Fame receiver right now uh, heading into next year. So it's a little bit different than going to a, an organization like the Jaguars, the Jets, or, or you know some of these teams that flounder and don't win games. Is is Are there guys that are really that vain that they would rather catch 80 passes for 1,100 yards and 10 scores as opposed to you know, 65, 909? And go four and twelve, five and eleven, six and ten, instead of going to a team like Baltimore that's made the playoffs three straight times without having a dynamic receiver that is a you know complete number one type receiver. I don't think so. I think they they definitely want to win games, especially if they're coming from a situation. Allen Robinson's coming from Chicago and put up big numbers there. He lost a lot more games than he would have liked to, and and didn't feel utilized there. I think Lamar Jackson will do a better job utilizing his skill set than a Mitch Trubisky would or the Bears were doing necessarily. So uh, it's just all talking points. It's hard to know. It doesn't seem like guys don't want to play with Lamar Jackson. They don't like Lamar Jackson. I don't think he's a good player. He was number one voted on NFL 100 last year. I'm sure he'll be on that list again this year. So there's a lot more worse places you could be. Uh, You could be playing with Dwayne Haskins in Washington this year, like Terry McLaurin. I'm sure he would love to have played on the Ravens this year uh, with Lamar Jackson instead. Things like that. So it's all relative and it's all speculation. So who knows is my final answer. Yeah, I don't I don't think this is a Lamar Jackson problem. I think plenty of players would like to come to Baltimore and play with him in this offense, especially, I think, with the glowing things that veterans have had to say about coming and playing in Baltimore in their final years. If we're looking at veterans or either, even with these, these younger guys, guys who are entering free agency like a Corey Davis or a Curtis Samuels, we talked about. And as you mentioned, Spencer, I think that they would love the notion of playing with Lamar Jackson, but I think it does come back to, all right, am I going to be a part of something special and not get as many targets as I would in, say, Kansas City? Or is it going to be a bad team and I'm still not going to get targets and then it's a lose-lose? The Ravens have something special. They're building something special and they already have it. So to find one of those missing pieces, if that is Allen Robinson, if it is a guy like Curtis Samuel, or if it is a guy like T.Y. Hilton or A.J. Green— Baltimore is going to go out there, and I think that a lot of players do want to play with Lamar Jackson, so they will be getting some calls from players saying, hey, you know, I I might want to come here and play with Lamar Jackson. Let's see what we can do. We're going to head into our final break here, and when we get back, we'll be talking about the coaching and personnel news that Baltimore has put out in the last couple of days, so stay tuned for that, and we'll be right back. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need into a traditional chain storefront. Wire and draw from pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing only the brand his warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in there, how'd you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you amazing selection of live below prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. The improved Built Bar is even more delicious with six new flavors, including caramel, brownie, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. 
Built Bars are healthy. They're great for the health-conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber, so be sure to go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off of your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. And we return with our final segment of this Locked on Ravens episode here on Taco Tuesday. Kevin Allshecker still here with Spencer Schultz. And Spencer, the Ravens lost a lot of their defensive staff to other opportunities already this offseason with three coaches and four, if you include assistant Sterling Lucas, following defensive line coach or former defensive line coach Joe Cullen to Jacksonville. So they lost those two to Jacksonville. They lost inside linebackers coach Mike McDonald to Michigan to be their defensive coordinator and defensive backs coach Jesse Minter to be the Vanderbilt defensive coordinator. But they did fill the voids. They brought in three coaches and Anthony Weaver, Rob Ryan, and Danton Lynn to be the defensive line coach, the inside linebacker coach, and the defensive backs coach, respectively. So, Spencer, what are your thoughts on these moves and what do they mean for the Ravens? Well, Anthony Weaver, very uh, first of all, is an up-and-coming name, a guy that uh, is starting to get some buzz as, you know, down the road being a head coach type guy. They still do have uh, Chris Horton in Baltimore with the D, or as a, the pass game coordinator, the pass defense coordinator. So two guys that have gotten a lot of buzz now together, younger minds. I like that very much so as you have Wink and now Rob Ryan that are a little bit older. Uh, Weaver is known for being an attacking type defensive line coach and and coordinator uh, on third down they give every kind of look they move guys all around the Texans didn't have you know incredible personnel and aging JJ Watt who's not quite as dominant as what he once was they got rid of uh, uh, DJ Reader who left for Cincinnati in free agency didn't have a spectacular unit and they did uh, you know get gashed defensively but I think that people look at those things they look at the numbers and where they ranked and things and, and let's talk about Wink Martindale in that same vein Wink Martindale was a defensive coordinator for the Broncos a little bit early on in his uh, career, I guess, maybe seven, eight years ago. That was where he finally reached that D.C. summit. Uh, so I think looking at the process as opposed to the results is a better way to go about things. The Ravens obviously know Weaver well. He played in Baltimore, and it's it's tough to be like, oh, well, as fans, we don't know the inner workings. We don't have the conversations that these coaches have in honest rooms, and uh, it's, it's tough to know. But Weaver is respected as very aggressive play caller, aggressive defensive line type. They like to move guys around, which matches what Wink Martindale does a ton. So I think they're on the same page in, ter- in terms of him and Wink Martindale. And uh, he's you know been a well-respected guy. They they ended up 30th in total defense, and uh, they were last in the league in, in rushing yards allowed as Weaver was the, the head guy there. But uh, it, again, I think it's looking at the process and, and hearing what Texans players had to say about him and, and being outright and outspoken about it. J.J. Watt had a ton of really great things to say about him. But ultimately, I think it's a, a good move. I like getting some younger coaches, some hungry coaches involved. The Ravens tend to go for the old boys a little bit, the Harbaugh coaching tree and uh, you know the Jim, Jack, and John coaching tree and, and some of those things. So him uh, getting Anthony Lynn's son in there as well and uh, you know making some changes, shaking it up is a great thing for sure. And you ultimately end up hoping that the Ravens have a good system in place. You see guys go get big D1 uh, Vanderbilt and Michigan defensive coordinator opportunities out of the Ravens staff. So they've got a good thing in place. I think it's easy to step in. The Ravens have a lot of talent uh, while the edge room is in question. They've got talent elsewhere on that defense. So it's going to be fun to see how those guys mesh and, and what they become in Baltimore. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm very excited about these hires. I think they will bring Baltimore's defense to a new level. And most importantly, I think bring some fresh minds and new ideas into the system where, yeah, Don Martindale has been a great defensive coordinator for the Ravens, but he also takes some things from his assistants. And I know that, for example, Rob Ryan and, and Don Martindale do go way back. So I think that's a great sign for the Ravens, but just to have the younger minds and to ha- bring the older minds in as well. It's a nice balance for this Ravens team. But Spencer, talking about shaking things up, the Ravens certainly shook things up when they made an announcement yesterday that the team will be moving on from longtime veterans, long snapper Morgan Cox, and will be going in a different direction. Now, Morgan Cox was one of the th- uh, one of the three members of that Wolfpack group that also included Justin Tucker and Sam Cook. And now the Ravens seemingly turned the page to Nick Moore, the 28-year-old long snapper that Baltimore protected what seemed like every week on their practice squad. So, Spencer, the Ravens do save a bit of money here, it seems like, by moving on from Morgan Cox, but he was just voted an All-Pro. And the timing of it just seems a little bit interesting considering that he is still playing at a very high level so what is what are your thoughts on this move and what it means for baltimore well number one cap's a little bit tight right now the projected cap is uh 15 to 20 million for the ravens while they are like 12th in the league or something along the lines uh those lines it's a difficult situation and having a guy like nick moore that's been able to play alongside cox be on that practice squad learn from the ravens great special team staff goes a long way and you know being able to save a couple extra million dollars up to go make a big move to make a defining move I would rather have that couple extra million to spend on a bigger move than uh, having a, a elite long snapper instead of a good one uh, long snappers are very freaking good when they reach the NFL level we see the consistency I think the Ravens can identify that what they have and Nick Moore is is good enough to get the job done for sure so why, you know, spend $3 million on Morgan Cox when you don't have to? Long snapper is a interesting play in the NFL in terms of, of having a guy make $3 million. It seems a little bit strange, but uh, Cox is obviously insanely well-respected. Everybody loves him. He's been a part of many great Ravens moments and, and the Wolfpack and all of those things, but it had to come to an end at some point. So hopefully it results in the Ravens being able to make a move that takes them over the top in some way. Uh, and gives him more value. But if Nick Moore is the real deal, you can see that in practice. And uh, if you've got two employees, one of them's asking a hundred thousand dollars salary, one of them's asking a five hundred thousand dollars salary at a company, and they get the job done relatively even, you're going to go with the cheaper option. You're going to go with the younger option. So uh, it's a sad day for the Wolf Pack to split up after so long, going on ten years almost. But the day has come, and it's time to turn the page and get ready for uh, Nick Moore. Nick Moore to snap some football. So hopefully, he does a great job. Yes, certainly. It it is a sad day. But at the end of the day, I agree, Spencer, if you're able to get the money that you save from not bringing back Morgan Cox and go out there, make a move that helps the team in other areas and still get that solid production with Nick Moore at the long snapper position. I think that's a win for Baltimore all around. But Spencer, that's all that I have for you today. Thank you so much for joining me here. The Senior Bowl is a big event and hopefully it will be a very nice event for you. Thank you. I appreciate it very much. It's going to be fun. Uh, in Mobile, so I'll be getting some tape up on my Twitter, getting some articles out on Baltimore Beatdown, and assessing these guys, trying to give the best insight I can into who might help the Baltimore Ravens and uh, who generally is just doing well at the doggone Senior Bowl. So thanks again for having me on, Kevin, and I'll have some updates for you guys next week. Take it easy until then. Make sure to give Kevin five stars in that iTunes review. Give him some, some positive feedback and help him out in those algorithms. 
for the guy bringing you the best daily Ravens coverage. Thanks again, Kevin. I appreciate it, Spencer. There's no one better to be at the Senior Bowl. If you aren't following Spencer already on Twitter, his Twitter handle is at Ravens, the number four dummies. So there you can catch all of his content. But that's all that I have for you here today. When we get back here on Locked on Ravens tomorrow, it's more Ravens content from us answering your mailbag questions. So stay tuned for that, and I will see you tomorrow.